Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is Charles W. Chuck Bryant. How do you like your chair? I hate this chair. Dude, do you realize that in like the last eight podcasts we just complained I know. at the beginning? People are probably so tired of it. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's instead, Chuck, instead of complaining, as is our usual way these days, let's go back in time. Oh, yes. I, I, I'm going to take us back. You ready? Okay. So, Chuck, um, this is 1791, August 1791. Uh-huh little place that we now know of as Haiti. And what's just happened is a slave uprising, actually what is the only successful slave uprising in the world. Good for them. Yeah. That's what I say. What happened was, what happened was, <laughs> in uh, earlier in August of 1791, a group of slave leaders mm-hmm. and maroon leaders, and maroons were runaway slaves, right. who'd made it to the hills and were basically staging guerrilla warfare against um, plantations and white colonists. Right. They got together, and there was a ceremony that was performed in a place called Alligator Woods, or Bois Cayman. I've been there. Have you really? No. Oh, wow. No. Well, we're, we're about to go there now, right? <laughs> yes. There's this voodoo ritual that took place, and all of the leaders basically pledged their support and dedication to this rebellion. Uh-huh. And a week later, all hell breaks loose. Okay. Um, this, thousands of slaves revolt. Uh, they murder every white person they can find. Uh, apparently, they paraded around from like settlement to settlement mm-hmm. with a white human baby impaled on a stake. I might draw the line there, but burned every plantation they could find and yeah. just basically held a slave uprising. You know, it's like you can only hold somebody down for so long before yeah. they, you know, turn on you. The human spirit wants to be free. Exactly, Chuck. Yes, uh, and. That's essentially what happened. The the uh, Haitian slaves rose up. They uh, were unsuccessful, actually, in 1791, but historians say this is the point that started it all. And by 1804, Haiti was a free republic. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but that that meeting in the woods that started it all, mm-hmm. the, the, the voodoo ceremony, that instance... And other slave rebellions that were kind of based around voodoo, yes, um, have kind of given the religion a bad rap among whites. Yeah, lots of things since then. Sure, it's kind of weird to think of, but our conception of voodoo is almost entirely Hollywoodized, fictionalized, um, and fear-based, based yeah. on this um, kind of collective white. Me- distant memory uh-huh. um, of well, this is this is what you know voodoo is. It's babies impaled on stakes. This right. is what happens when sure. you let people practice voodoo, right? Yeah. Chuck, actually, the um, that slave revolt, the successful slave rebellion, um, is what Pat Robertson was talking about oh, famously yeah. after the Haiti earthquake when he said a long time ago, and people in Haiti don't like to talk about it, but they made a pact with the devil. Um, to get the French out, and they said, we'll give you our souls if 
uh, you'll get the French out, and the French got out, and yeah. that's so basically he was saying, you know, that it's devil worship, voodoo is devil worship, and the successful slave rebellion is proof positive of it, and that's why the earthquake happened, in his opinion. And then Haiti, they were probably like, "Who's this devil you keep talking about? <laughs> we don't believe in that dude." Yeah. This so, is going to be a lot of debunking going on today. Let's debunk, dude. Let's start talking about voodoo. Okay, let's right do it. now. Okay, uh, voodoo is a religion. A lot of people think it's just a bunch of hocus pocus, uh-huh. which is more like hoodoo, which we'll get to later. All right. Uh, but voodoo is an actual religion. There is a uh, there's one god. It's very. It depends on where you are. If you're talking voodoo, and um, even generationally speaking. There's a lot of differences. Yeah, because there's no definitive holy text. No. It's an oral tradition. Yeah. And it's a very subjective religion too, right? It's like a very very personal. Sure. Um, and it, it, it governs your day to day life. And it, um, also has, it's different, has a different impact on every, every person, right? Yes, it does. Yes. Uh, so there's, like I said, there's one supreme God and depending on where you are, there'll be a different name. Uh, if you're talking, uh, Haitian voodoo, we're basically going to cover, like, African and Haitian in parts, I would say, won't you? Yeah. Okay. So Haitian voodoo, uh, you're going to call this supreme god Bandi. But in voodoo, you can't talk directly to the main god. You have to go through one of these spirits uh, called the Loa. Right. And there are many Loa. And they all have different functions, but it is hierarchical. It is. And they're uh, based on um, dead ancestors, ancestral spirits. Yeah, which it turns out to be, and we'll get to that more in detail, but that's a big, big part of voodoo is uh, the ancestry and dead people, basically, spirits of the dead people. Right, and you were talking about comparing it to, say, uh, Christianity or Judaism or something like that. Um, yeah. It's much, it's much easier to compare um, like a pagan uh, religion like voodoo to a pagan religion like um, Druidism, right? Right. Than it is to compare either one to Christianity or Judaism. Um Although there are some similarities. There are, especially yeah. in Haitian voodoo. Yeah. But in African voodoo, um, it's it's much more difficult to compare it. And so anthropologists still kind of put it in this um, context of, of ways we can understand, like gods. Right? right, right. But they're not gods. You can't, like, two, two voodoo practitioners, these are not gods. They're ancestral spirits. The spirit world is as real as this world. Right. So we may hear their call them gods accidentally, but sure. that's, that's just as close as we can come. You could yeah. compare them to a Greek or Roman gods, right? Yeah. They have different personalities that yeah, represent yeah, yeah. different things, but it's kind of that shared pagan worldview that different parts of the natural experience are associated with different gods. Yes. Right? Good point. Thanks. Uh, it's basically so white Christians can understand exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so, uh, African and Haitian voodoo, you, in, in both cases, you have, it's really not a bunch of evil doing and, and spells cast upon one another. It's mainly, uh, used for, for good and to be a better person. In fact, you're, you're counted on as a practicer of voodoo to be a good community member and, you know, a stand up guy or gal. Right. Yeah. And remember, we said that it was a personal and subjective religion. Um, so when you're practicing voodoo, when you are um, uh, interacting with, say, like a voodoo priest or priestess, uh-huh. right, um, you're seeking advice, guidance, and you're living your life by that, right? Yeah. So there's actually, I guess, kind of the whole um, evil aspect uh-huh. does exist. Both. 
bow um, in uh, African tradition, right? Yeah, African voodoo. Yeah, that's the dark side of African voodoo. It's called bow. Right, and voodoo practitioners, a voodoo priest is called a uh, hogun, right? Yeah, an African voodoo priest, right? Yeah, and an African and Haitian voodoo priestess is called um, a mamba, right? Yes. Mamba. Um, so the mamba and the hogun are not charged with um, carrying out bow, which is evil spells, hexes, um, basically magic that does harm, right? Right, and they do use voodoo dolls. They do. Yeah. But um, th- this is not to say, and this is where it kind of gets a little prickly, like hinky, you know, a little hinky, uh-huh. um, where the voodoo priests and priestesses may not actually practice bow, this black magic, right? But um, they're familiar with it; they have a working knowledge of it, yeah. But so that so they can oppose people who practice bow. Yeah, so you have to understand something to fight it. That's the belief there, right? Right. Sure. Okay, so Chuck, let's talk a little more about ceremonies and some of the characteristics and traits that make voodoo voodoo. All right, are we going to Africa or are we in uh, Haiti at this point? Let's do Africa first. Okay. I mean, this is the cradle of voodoo, right? Yeah, like 6,000 years ago, that's where the word comes from. It comes from the Fon language, which was the kingdom of Fon, and that means sacred spirit or deity. Right. And uh, I think it was like northwest, northwest Africa. Northwest it's north central west africa so right. it's west africa we're talking uh, ghana benin and togo yeah. are like the the areas where these ancient kingdoms of fawn and congo congo with the k um were located and this is the cradle of voodoo yeah and i actually got a stat for you um they say that 30 million people in in togo ghana and what is it benin yeah still practice voodoo today and just to gauge where that falls in world religions it's about double the number of jewish people in the entire world wow is it really yeah wow there i mean stats vary because depending on if you're like an active practice uh, practitioner of judaism or Mm -hmm. if you're just like born jewish Mm -hmm. but yeah it's about double wow so it ranks it's also um an official religion in benin yeah they said 60 percent of the people of that country follow voodoo right still Right, so this is a an established religion, um, but <clears throat> one of the founding um, or foundational tenets of voodoo is that you can communicate with the spirits, and you communicate with the spirits to find out, you know, what you should do from the um, the mon- the Almighty Deity, yeah, the Supreme God, right? They're the medium, right? Um, one of the one of the other founding tenets of voodoo is you communicate with these people, not in your head, not through prayer, but by these the loa uh-huh. um, actually possessing yeah. someone who then gives commands or says, you know, what are you doing? Why aren't you, you know, um, spending more time with your wife? Things like that, right? Yeah, we said that it's different in African and Haitian and all over the world and in different time periods, but that's one of the... Main through lines in all voodoo is possession. Spirit intrusion. Possession. Yeah. Right. Um, the person who's being possessed at the time is known as the horse, and the whatever Loa is pro- is possessing him or her is known as the rider, right? Yeah, that's in Haitian voodoo. Oh, did I get ahead of us? No, that's all right. We can, we can kind of jump around. Okay, well, that's really one of the big bridges. Um, that's really the bridge between Haitian voodoo and African voodoo, right? Yeah. Is that spirit possession exists. Mm-hmm. That's how you find out what you should do right. in your day-to-day life. Right. Right? Um, 
back in Africa on the African side. Um, some other commonalities between the two, because again, um, or maybe not again, but possibly the first time. Okay. Haitian, Haitian voodoo is African voodoo with it, creolized. Yes. Right? Yeah. So let's get back to talking about African voodoo. I did screw us up and I apologize, Chuck. Apologize to our fans. I'm so sorry, <laughs> fans. Please forgive me. You never owe me an apology, buddy. Um, so the ans- the ancestral spirits make up the loa, right? Uh-huh. Um, you can take any object and consecrate it, and it becomes a ritual sacred object, right? Yeah. Uh, which is where the dolls come in. Right. Which, as you said, are not used for um, harm. Right. Well, they, they can be by the if you're talking bow, but it's definitely not like you see in the movies. Right. Or the Brady Bunch. Um, during <laughs> – yeah. Um, the There's a lot of uh, ceremonial dance. Um, yeah, song. Spirits are invoked through um, music, uh-huh. percussion, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I know that in both Haitian and African voodoo, there is a gatekeeper. Um, and his name in uh, Haitian tradition is Papa Legba, right? Yeah, I love that name. Yeah. Um, and Papa Legba is the gatekeeper between the spirit world and the human world, right? Yeah. And he's invoked at the beginning of every ceremony because you have to get him to open the gate so you can Absolutely. start communicating with the low and so things can be people can be possessed, right? Right. And actually Papa Legba is also a one of the black men at the crossroad who um bears a striking resemblance to our friend Mashamon. Oh really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The crossroad, aka the Christian cross. In Haitian tradition, yeah. Right. We should go ahead and talk about that probably. If, if some of this sounds familiar, if, you, if you're thinking Papa Legba sounds sort of like St. Peter and the crossroads sounds sort of like the Christian cross, there's mm-hmm. a very good reason for that. It's because, once again, we go back to our friend uh, Christopher Columbus, Hispaniola, and the fact that they brought slaves over to Hispaniola to work on the plantations. They brought voodoo with them, and uh, the problem there was Columbus said, no, 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 no. If you're going to be a slave over here, you have to be converted to Christianity. So That was the Code Noir. The French actually did that one. Oh, really? Uh-huh. You so had to be baptized. All slaves yeah, had to be forced, baptized. Forced conversion. Uh-huh. So what they did was, in order to keep practicing voodoo, they incorporated, and this is where I, my mind was blown. I didn't know they did this. They incorporated parts of Catholicism to kind of mask the fact that they were practicing voodoo, and it got uh, all mixed up in what's called uh, syncretization. Yeah. So Catholicism and voodoo working together. Right. Crazy. So even today, um, there a lot of the loa, there, well, there is a lot of ready um, uh, similarities between these ancestral spirits uh-huh. and Catholic saints, right? Right. So like St. Peter is associated with Papa Legba because St. Peter's the guy who's outside the gates of heaven. Right. Papa Legba is the gatekeeper to the spirit world. Right. So they associate him with him. Um, there is a god who is um, pretty powerful. He's a warrior protector god called Ogu. Uh-huh. And he's associated with St. James, who was a warrior protector saint. Right. So it's it wasn't it's not a leap all the time. No. But sometimes it's a stretch. Like St. Patrick, remember, drove out the snakes from Ireland? Yeah, yeah. He's associated with snakes in the Haitian tradition. Right. Um, but yeah, so when you when you look at the underlying 
um, tenets, the, the really overarching narrative of being able to communicate with spirits, invoking spirits through percuss- percussion, song, dance, um, being possessed, uh-huh. and objects being able to be consecrated and, and become sacred, yeah. um, then that's voodoo across right. the board. The voodoo we're familiar with, um, that's Haitian voodoo, which is kind of mixed up. With Catholicism. Right. Yeah, it said that they even incorporated uh, Catholic hymns and prayers. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Who knew? Tracy Wilson. Yeah, she did. Um, so, Josh, you brought up rituals that they would perform to invoke the gods. And one of the tenets of voodoo is the gods will give you advice and all, but you got to take care of the gods, the right. spirits. Yeah. And one way that you can do this is by animal sacrifice. To appease the God, you know, the spirit. Yeah. Now, this is, um, again, this is another ticklish aspect of voodoo, isn't it? You know, I mean, this is like, oh, they, they sacrifice animals. Yeah. They're, they're evil. Well, it's like, well, you got the sacrifice animals part right. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, they used to sacrifice humans, too. Did they? Yeah. It's been like at least 100 years since any of that's gone on in Africa, they say. Huh. So. Chuck, there's actually, um, with the animal sacrifices, um there there's actually a process as you can imagine there's a process where uh, say you're you're going to sacrifice a chicken right okay um and this chicken is washed in leaves to be consecrated right and then it's fed from this ritual dish and if it refuses to eat then that means that the loa has rejected that sacrifice and the animal is set free oh really if it eats then it's like okay you're dead right? chickens always eat though from what I understand, apparently, I guess they don't. <laughs> but but it, it's not just chickens. I think this applies to goats, pigs, whatever sacrifice, right? Right. Um, and so if it eats, then it's like okay, you're dead. If it's a goat or a pig, its throat is slit. If it's a chicken, its neck is broken. But it's quick. It's a quick death. It's not you know tortured or anything like that. Right. The blood is mixed in this um, calabash, like a big um, chalice uh-huh. bowl. Yeah. Um, with rum and syrup and salt. Yum. And then uh, people will either take a, a sip mm-hmm. or they, they'll um, make a cross on their a crucifix on their head right. in blood. Right. So that's the blood sacrifice. That's where the blood sacrifice ritual stands today. Oh, really? They still do it that way? Because mm-hmm. Haitians still practice voodoo like, uh, like right out in the open. It's well, not, yeah. It's and not some, like Westerners might think it's like some weird hidden thing, but it's not like that at all. No. Uh, you also talked about um, when they invoke or when you're possessed. There's I know there's a dance called the dance of the hooded igungun, uh, and apparently what happens is when someone is like the spirit overtakes them and they're possessed and they're dancing around. If you touch them, you die. That's what they say. So you got to like stand in the circle and witness all this and wow. take part. But you know they're running all over the place. So you got to like you know keep your distance. And um. There also, if while you're possessed, you are impervious to pain. You can't be injured. Yeah, good point. And today I was reading an article from, I think, 2002 or 2004. Um, and the, this guy was talking about witnessing a, uh, a voodoo ritual in West Africa. Yeah. Recently. And these guys were, um, pr- were possessed by Ugu. Remember the warrior protector yeah. spirit? Um, and they were cutting themselves with their knives. Bloodletting, right? Um, and weren't wincing or anything like that because apparently one aspect of it is like you can't feel pain while you're possessed. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and since you brought that up, we should probably go ahead and talk about why Westerners view voodoo 
as some sort of evil, awful thing. Right. In addition to the slave uprising, right? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons you just mentioned was uh, a lot of the uh, there's a lot of self injury that goes on. Like, yeah. And so Westerners see that and they think those people are crazy. Look at them. Well, not just that, but blood making Blood's a no real good. appearance. You yeah. Know? Anything dealing with death, the fact that they believe that death is like, you know, not necessarily a bad thing, and the, the spirits are are still living among us, yeah. guiding us. That's not Westerners aren't typically down with that either. No, Westerners don't have a stomach for real blood, which is why wine is used in place of it or as a metaphor for it in like the Christian tradition. Of course. And death is something that we don't like to think about or talk about in the West either. No. Again, though, in the voodoo tradition and in a lot of other traditions, um, death is just a a part of the natural order of things. And it's certainly not the end. I think in the West, it's kind of viewed even by the religious in some cases as the end and we don't really like to think about that no you know that's a good point um the other thing tracy mentioned in here was uh from 1915 to 1935 the marine corps occupied haiti and during this period there were a lot of books and movies all of a sudden being written about uh and portrayed uh, like haitian voodoo as these you know crazy bloodletting people right so those became really popular. One of them was called White Zombie in mm-hmm. 1932. Uh, around the same time, it uh, had spread uh, to New Orleans and kind of hoodoo became popular. Right. In the 19th century, there were two women named Marie Laveau. And um, yeah. one was – they were the most powerful women in um, in voodoo culture in the U.S. In New Orleans. Right. Um, and the, one was the mom and one was the daughter. Uh, Mom retired and died. The daughter disappeared. No one knows what happened to her. Right. Um, but after the second one disappeared, uh, the uh, the followers split into factions, and one of the factions became Hoodoo, and right. Hoodoo became very powerful. And Hoodoo is a mix of bow, uh-huh. black magic, right. with Voodoo, right, and or in the Voodoo tradition, I guess, right. And so now we have hoodoo, and that is what most people think of. When you think of voodoo in the U.S., you think of New Orleans, and then what we're actually thinking of is hoodoo, not voodoo. They should have named it something else. They should have. You know? Like um, chimichanga or something. Right, exactly. Um, um, so these misconceptions still abound. Um, there was uh, a paper in 1984 that apparently this physician who wrote it, or researcher who wrote it, still takes flack for. Um, but it was titled... Night of the Living Dead 2, colon, do necromantic zombieists transmit HTLV3 slash LAV during voodooistic rituals? So basically, <laughs> do necrophiliacs right. who are into zombieism and are voodoo practitioners, start? are they the reason for the spread of AIDS in Haiti? Well, and actually, yeah. there is a certain element of public health yeah, to that's what I was gonna say. Voodoo. That's right? like well, that's one of the real concerns. It's not all these Western misconceptions of like taboos. Um, real concerns are that there is bloodletting and that they freely bleed on one another, mm-hmm. and or sharing you know the blood of an animal sacrifice. People yeah. drinking that 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 can be bad stuff. Yeah, so that's a real health concern. Um, another really practical concern is a lot of, and we failed to mention this: the priests and priestesses. One of their main gigs is to practice folk medicine. 
on uh, on the practitioners of voodoo. Right, because again, we said everyday life. Like voodoo exactly. is part of your everyday life if you were an right. adherent. And some of these folk practices kind of fly in the face of real medicine. So that's sort of a concern here and there. I think we should replace the word real with Western medicine. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're definitely right. Thanks. Because I believe in a lot of like Eastern medicine. Sure. I might look into voodoo. Might clear up my... Uh, sinuses? Yeah. <laughs> clear up my sinuses. sciatica? Uh, and like we said, um, death is a big, big part of it. And just the culture of fear that it creates is, uh, something that is a big turnoff for a lot of, uh, well, it creates a culture of fear in the, in the West. It is. But again, there's, I think even informed, um, educated people have misconceptions about voodoo because it's been harangued so long in this country that people in the U.S. just really don't understand. Yeah what what it is that's going on down there and there's so many yeah. misunderstandings well they think it's hoodoo yeah they see angel heart but even beyond that like even if even if you don't think it's hoodoo yeah sure you're you're like okay well they're turning people into zombies we did the how zombies work thing and it's real down there um but that's not voodoo that's bow right yeah exactly um so i, I it's kind of it makes me um Sad for voodoo? I guess a little sad for voodoo. <laughs> yeah. It makes me sad for the mambas. Well, it's definitely um, has a stigma about it. And until I read all about it, I probably fell into that same trap. But then you start realizing, aside from like spiritual possession and a couple of the other things, you're like, you know, it's not so different than other religions when you look at it. And I think uh, Buddhists actually, I think there are times when Buddhism, when there are, is spiritual possession going on there too. Right. Christianity now. Yeah, there's a good example in this uh, article of um, uh, spirit possession happening in the Buddhist tradition, right? Oh, really? Yeah. So that's where I heard it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. There was, um, in 1959, the Dalai Lama oh, right. was um, speaking with an oracle that was possessed, um, and, and the oracle gave him advice on how to escape the, the Chinese army successfully. Right. That's spirit possession, but it's Buddhism, and they don't sacrifice chickens right i think that that's kind of it there's a lot of blood and death in in voodoo and people are afraid of it right um but uh i, I read it or saw a thing on npr today where one guy went down and spent some time with with the voodoo um practitioners in i think haiti and Who, he said wade davis no maybe it was ira glass <laughs> People are crazy. <laughs> that's, that's more Woody Allen than Ira Glass. Yeah. Um, but he basically likened the dark side, even the bow, to the concept of heaven and hell in Western religion. And he, he said, quote, the whole point is to manifest the darkness so that goodness can overwhelm it. And it's the same in voodoo as it is in Christianity. And, you know, actually I said that Christianity, they don't believe in, like, possession and all. Right. Not quite true. Oh, yeah. Some, some uh, like... Southern Baptist and uh, Pentecostal believe that the spirit can overtake you sure. uh, in such a way. So I was not quite right there. But again, think about how those people are looked at from the same people who look at voodoo as, right. you know, unseemly. Yeah, good point. Yeah. But what what's going on now, though, is there's, there's sort of an outright war from on voodoo by missionaries still going there mm -hmm. to convert them from what they say is a cult. Right, or associated with the devil. Well, yeah, they associate it with Satan, which is ridiculous because nothing about voodoo has anything to do with Satan. Right. Well, they don't Satan even believe in Satan. Exist, yeah. yeah. So this is Western Christians kind of just putting all their stuff on them. 
Lots of hang-ups. Lots of hang-ups. <laughs> yeah, we uh, Anglo-Saxon descendants really like to hang our hang-ups on other people, right? Yeah. Let's let's stop that. Well, I mentioned Angel Heart. We should mention the movies real quick. Angel Heart, okay. great movie. Mm-hmm. Hoodoo, mm-hmm. Serpent in the Rainbow. Great movie. But, again, that was Wade Davis, the anthropologist. And he's done a lot, Oh, to, that's who that was? Yeah. Ah. He's done, well, it was Bill, Bill Pullman well, playing sure. him. Yeah. But um, he's done a lot, actually, to uh, cloud voodoo, to continue these misconceptions, rather than clear them up. Oh, really? Yeah. But he's made a lot of money along the way. Yeah, good point. Uh, and then, of course, Live and Let Die, we like to talk about Bond. Love that one. There's some voodoo in that. Best Bond ever, Roger Moore. Oh, God. It's so true. Roger Moore was awful, dude. Dude, Roger Moore was great. I grew up with Roger Moore, so I like, like, I have a certain affinity for some of those films, some of his earlier ones, but uh-huh. it got to the point where it was just like a, a, a cartoon of himself. <laughs> he was never the butt kicker like uh, Connery was, or the new guys. No, whatever. Or Dalton, or uh, who's the new guy? Craig? All right, well, if you uh, want to learn more about James Bond and voodoo, you can type James Bond and Voodoo into the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. If that doesn't work, which I can pretty much guarantee it won't, just type Voodoo. Try that one. And since I said handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, it's time for listener mail. Josh, I'm going to call this uh, Ghost Prisons for Reels. Did you read this one from Will? Uh-uh. Hey, guys. Just thought I would drop a line about my interaction with your recent Ghost Prisons topic, which we have yet to get a lot of flack for. We've gotten zero flack. I'm, I'm ready for some flack to come our way, though, at some point. Oh, people stopped listening a long time ago, Chuck. I have met on several occasions a man by the name of, uh, I'll go ahead and say his name, Mamdu Habib, who was very prominent in the Australian media for being an Australian citizen held at Gitmo, or Jitmo. Gitmo. Gitmo? Mm-hmm. Oh, right, because Guantanamo. Mm-hmm. It's not Juantanamo. <laughs> Guantanamo. Through my conversations with him, it was clear that he had not only been tainted at Guantanamo, but also was a stu- uh, subject to extraordinary rendition. He was captured by the U.S. and Pakistan, sent to Egypt, where he was held for six months and tortured. The torture, however, was ineffective because of the misadministration of drugs by U.S. agents, which rendered him almost above feeling for most of the time. Wow. So, like, they doped him up so much, he couldn't even feel the torture, basically. Hmm. Almost as if he was under the power of a voodoo spell. Or under the power of morphine. Right. Amphetamine. (laughs) After six months, he was dumped back into Pakistan before getting picked up again and taken to Gitmo. It was apparently common policy for the U.S. to first torture, then imprison in Guantanamo Bay in order to use the torture findings. However, mainly due to the tireless campaigning of his wife, he was released from Guantanamo and returned to Oz. However, judging from the times I have met him, the experience will never leave him. In regards to the... Yeah, I wouldn't think so. No, you don't get I over was that. tortured. <laughs> well, I forgot all about it. But you want to come over for a bobby? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, for a slab of beer. Yeah, for a stubby. In regards to the perception that Obama is better in terms of this stuff, it is unfortunately not the case. We didn't well. say that. Uh, Gitmo has been replaced by a Bagram Air Base in Afghanistan, a prison even further from the public eyes. Keep up the great work, guys. Hope this finds you in good health. <laughs> there is no way to end that softly. It was no, just really like, wasn't. we're just going to stop here and yeah. keep up the great work. So that comes from Will, and he says, peace. Right on, Will. Peace to you, too, my friend. So uh, what do you want to call for, Chuck? Oh, I don't know. Something interesting. 
Yeah. How about if you are a practitioner of voodoo? That is excellent, Chuck. We want to hear from you. Yes, please do let us know. Um, if you are a practitioner of voodoo, uh, we would love to hear from you. Let us know what's going on and what we got glaringly wrong or omitted. Because this one could like, this one could use filling out, I think, a little more. What are they called? Voodooers? Voodoo practitioners. Voodooists? Voodooists. You know the line in Blazing Saddles? Now go do that voodoo that you do so well. Yes. The late Harvey Corman. Yeah. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter, SYSK Podcast. We have a Facebook page that we like to hang out on sometimes. It's called uh, Stuff You Should Know, website in parentheses. And uh, you can send us that email if you are into voodoo at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?